Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Today is kind of a special day, y'all. It's the one-year anniversary of the first-ever episode of This is Nashville. I know, right? Which, you know, feels like it's the right time to talk about how our identity as a town has changed over time and continues to evolve. Ten years ago, Nashville was dubbed its city. And whether you love it or hate it, the term is stuck. And the city has changed a lot in the decades since. You've probably noticed that we're drawing millions more tourists a year. People are moving here in droves. Businesses are relocating here. That's not even the half of it. But what do the people who've been living here for generations feel about the city and where it is? How are newer arrivals learning about where the city has been? How are we all working together to help guide the city's future? Before we begin to answer those questions, let's go back to where this started. In 2013, the New York Times published a story titled Nashville's latest big hit could be the city itself. And the story starts innocently enough. Portland knows the feeling. Austin had it once too. So did Dallas. Even Las Vegas enjoyed a brief moment in the st- as the nation's it city. Yep. It was that part. So let's talk with the person who wrote those words and helped usher in the It City era. Kim Severson is a food correspondent for The New York Times, and she joins us now from Atlanta. Kim, thanks for being here and welcome to This is Nashville. Thanks. Thanks. It's great to talk with you. Really great to talk with you, too. So tell me, how did you get the idea for this article? I know. I. It's so funny. I've heard so much about this art. I think almost more than any other piece I've written in the last 10 years, this one keeps coming up and, you know, I'll meet someone in Nashville and depending on what side of the coin you're on, they'll be like, are you the one who wrote that story? And I'd be like, either I'm apologizing or I'm like taking the congratulations. So, uh, you know, at the time, my job, I was a national correspondent for the times and my job was to kind of scan the landscape. I did, you know, covered uh, hurricanes and politics and, all kinds of things, and also trying to co- to cover how the South was was changing and growing. And uh, I just Nashville just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. You know, I heard from, you know, uh, there were cultural indicators, right? The Grammys for the first time were announcing in Nashville and not in Los Angeles. Uh, you know, Gallup poll ranked uh, Nashville at, in the top five for growth. Um, you had all kinds of, um, you know, economic uh, projects, city projects happening there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, there was uh, the fantastic show with Connie Britton that uh, helped, you know, from a cultural standpoint, put you on the map. I mean, you had GQ mm-hmm. calling it Nowville. Mm-hmm. And I, I write a lot about food and eat a lot. And, you know, Nashville's food scene was really, really uh, happening is quite, um, you know, part of a, a kind of a focus of of the nation's uh, food critics at that time. So all of that, uh, you know, economic growth, uh, some promising big, big uh, civic projects, this kind of uh, cultural zeitgeist where everybody seemed to be moving to Nashville or people like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go check. I'm spending the weekend in Nashville. So it was all of that. 
uh, and uh, it seemed to me enough to to write a story. I, I, you know, lived in Portland for a while when Portland got its kind of moment. Certainly, Austin people in Austin, you know, will know what that was like. Um, so it seems like in the country, every city has its moment, and this was Nashville's. So why was it important to you to write about the South differently than it had been reported on? Uh, I think correspondents from the New York Times who spend time in different regions and particularly in the South uh, have a particular battle and that is convincing the New York editors that perhaps they don't know everything about a region. And I think Mm. the South, you know, had gone through um, a lot of different, uh, uh, gone through a lot of different lenses at the times. And I certainly think there was that, uh, the, the new progressive South trying to grapple with, um, uh, the sins of its past. I think there were uh, religious tensions, uh, cult, you know, religious tensions that were spilling into politics that were happening in the South. Um, I think there, culinarily, there was the Paula Dean era, and I think a lot of people thought about the South's cultural and culinary history in in, in kind of a uh, a little bit of an outdated way. So I, you know, lived in Atlanta, I still live in Atlanta, and I, I saw the vibrancy of a lot of cities and the kind of cultural uh, heft of, of cities like Atlanta and Nashville, uh, and also the, the texture of a place, um, the texture of the South, you know, uh, this idea that it was all uh, all Bible Belt. Um, <clears throat> I guess that sort of bothered me. I took, I took it upon myself to try to find stories that moved the image of the South and the nation's eyes forward. Hmm. Tell me, what were people here talking about when you interviewed them? <clears throat> well, there was a little bit of a sort of like, um, oh, my God, we're like the popular kids in school now feeling among some people. Um, I think there was a sense of, uh, you know, certainly um, the mayor at the time was uh, Carl Dean was uh, uh, very high on on the, the deals that he had made for the city. I mean, you had the Music City Center was a, a big civic deal. Uh, even some of the folks in. Um, you know, some of the more staid industries, uh, you know, uh, even like religious publishing, I think felt like they were in a good spot in Nashville. Mm. Uh, I talked to <clears throat> Jennifer Nettles, who, you know, is a, an actor and a musician who had just moved, uh, bought a farm in the area. And, uh, you know, she'd grown up in Atlanta. She said, there's just this charm and richness uh, in Nashville and, and the size of Nashville allows for that sort of vibe to happen. So, so there were, you know, people, I think people were really uh, happy and excited to have the city perched on the edge. Now, I will say there were certain people, um, and I remember John Edgerton, the late John Edgerton was one of them who said, this is all well and good, but if we do not take care of people who don't have uh, enough money to get housing and we don't pay attention to our schools or public schools and pay attention to some of the social issues we have, all of this is going to be for naught. So the term it city has been popular here. It was first given to Nashville in your article. After all these years, the term has some real staying power. Let's take a listen to a sampling of what you started in 2013 from the times it's come up in our own show. Everything just kind of went crazy in 2013 when the New York Times said that we were the it city. You know, the Nashvilleians like to say that we are the it city, that we care about the people that call this place home. But in order to tell the story properly, you got to 
Talk about the black women. Yeah, how can the city call itself the it city when so many people are going hungry and food insecure? Absolutely. Now, I think that's what changed in 2013 to make the New York Times crown us as it city. We finally had world-class restaurants that people from the East Coast and West Coast would come here and say, this is just as good or maybe even better than some of the restaurants we have at home. Uh, make it some of the affordable housing for Metro employees to keep them here in the city so we can still be that it city that Metro employees want to continue working for. And Nashville, if it wants to be the it city, then it's gonna have to address the needs of the disabled. Now, in order, that was David Steele Ewing, Dr. LaRotha Williams, yours truly, David Steele Ewing again, Nina Stroud, and Steve Norman. And, uh, you know, as you can hear at the end, sometimes people will use It City as a frame. Like, if we're going to be the It City, then we have to do X, Y, or Z. Kim, you quote the late John Edgerton in your piece, and he gets at this a little bit. What was his concern about the way the city was changing back in 2013, as you mentioned? Well, he, you know, loved <clears throat> loved Nashville very much. And uh, uh, I think his, at the core of his comments were that, you know, you, you if you really want to be uh, the kind of city that you envision when someone says it's city or you, you're taking that civic pride or there's that kind of uh, collective momentum in a city, to really make that mean something and last, you've got to tend more to the residents than you do the tourists. You've got to tend... Uh, you got to take care of home before you take care of all the visitors who are coming into your home. Um, and I, and I think that, um, you know, he presented that as an opportunity as much as a, uh, a concern, um, at the time. Uh, again, this is from a man who, who loved the city and the culture. And I, I think it's hard to not lose all the things that make, that made make Nashville great. Um, although, you know, Nashville's always been a little bit of a, uh, you know, they've just kind of a little bit of a, um, an outward flash to it in a way, or, you know, uh, maybe a manufactured outward flash. And then, uh, some very, um, I think there, I think there's been like any, any growing urban city and certainly any city of the South, some real clashes around race, culture, religion, sexual orientation, um, rich and poor, you know, I think Nashville was and, and is still grappling with all of those things. You know, sometimes we forget that it was Nashville's turn in the spotlight. Question for you, is our turn over? You're asking me? Yeah. Well, I think that's up to Nashville. I always tell people, you know, I can't write a story on uh, on things that aren't there. So, you know, what was happening in Nashville was real. I, I Maybe I kind of uh, put a little frame around the jello there and, and called it the it city. But all of those dynamics were happening, right? Um and I, I'm very interested to see, you know, what what is what's come of it in 10 years. Um, I still visit it. I, I don't I'm not deep in the city politics as much as I used to be. Uh, you know, I, I feel like people blame me for the, uh, you know, the rolling uh, bachelor party bike bars and stuff. I, I didn't make those up just because I called it Knit City. But mm -hmm. I did notice last time I was there, I think um, uh, a little bit uh late last year and uh, eating around at some places and, and visiting some friends. And I did feel that, uh, you know, I, I could tell that the difference uh, and certainly the, you know, the bachelorette party culture and also feeling a little like, um, you know, maybe some of the, I don't know, some of, some of the, uh, the happy, 
energy that was happening in Nashville was was uh, fading a little. But I'm really interested to hear what what your what your guests and what you all think about it. Oh, we'll find out pretty soon. Tell me this though. Last question for you. What do you think the term it city represents today? Well, I think uh, I think it was a good rallying cry for for Nashville at the moment. It was a way to kind of pull together the fact that, hey, we've got something special here and some opportunities. Um, the big question, I guess, is, uh, you know, is it faded? Has it matured into something other than uh, the, you know, the most popular kid in high school? Uh, you know, what's it what's it doing in college and, and right after? I think that's where the city is. You know, you've, you know, you, you had a burst of popularity got to a good university. Now you're uh, having to look for that job. So I guess you could kind of look at it like that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Kim Severson is the national food correspondent for the New York Times who dubbed Nashville the It City in, in the New York Times 10 years ago. Kim, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll ask some folks who remember the old Nashville about what it was like to live in the It City today. Do you think the term It City still applies to Nashville? How do you think it's changed our town? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. Or maybe I should say, this is the It City, but it hasn't always been this way. I can tell you a lot of people who were born and raised here talk often about how different our town used to be. They talk about what life was like here before Major League Sports, Bachelorettes, and booming development. It's true, the city has changed. That happens everywhere. To give us a sense of what Nashville was like before the It City status, I'd like to introduce my next guest, who, you guessed it, is a native Nashvillian. Charles Wig Walker is a blues singer who came up in the Jefferson Street blues scene and continues to perform at Acme Feed and Seed. Wig, thanks for being here. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Good to have you with us, sir. So, you know, as I said, you grew up here in Nashville in the 50s. Tell us what this city was like back then. Well... I was just listening to your your piece there, and uh, it's quite a change since the fifties. The fifties was, uh, as you know, I was a, I was a I was a kid, and uh, I feel like Nashville is called the it city because it 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 is the it city now. But back in the fifties, it was tough, very tough. You know, uh, just trying to. Uh, Navigate your life and uh, do what you're trying trying to do. I I was into music. I've been into music all my life, and uh, I had a rough time at the beginning, but it happened for me. I I did secure a job and uh, went on from there. You know. Can you describe the energy in the music scene on Jefferson Street at that time? Pretty much, yes. Uh, well, it was a very vibrant uh, music scene in between Fish University and, and Tennessee State. People used to walk. The streets were crowded every day, just walking, going to from pub to, to pub, uh, a tavern, uh, 
even to the all the way over to the New Era Club, which was on Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I had crowds and crowds of people that filled the club every day, every night. And uh, so you could say the Jefferson Street looked like Broadway does now. Yes, hmm. very much so. You you had dreams to make it in the music business, yet you chose to pursue your dreams in New York instead of your hometown. How much, tell me this, how much did the Jim Crow segregation of the city play into your decision to leave? Well, I think it played into it quite a bit, but I also figured, uh, I tried, I recorded one record here in Nashville, and uh, it was a blues record. I got some play behind it, and it did okay, but uh, it never was anything big. So I, I wanted to try my my thing in a in a larger city, and I figured New York. Plus, I had people living in New York, mm-hmm. so I had somewhere to stay. So, and plus, I had uh, met a lot of artists coming through Nashville, a lot of the, the top stars then, uh, and they told me if I got to New York, look them up especially James Brown. Mm-hmm. So I did. I looked him up. As a matter of fact, I lived right on the same street as as the uh, Apollo. I lived in the back of the back in the back of the Apollo, like on 127th Street. Okay. The world famous Apollo Theater. And yeah. you know, you well, you you sing blues downtown every Sunday at Acme Feed and Seed, including classics like mm-hmm. Sam Cooke's A Change Is Gonna Come. Let's listen to a bit of your cover of that classic now from a live performance at Acme. Okay. It's been a long, a long time coming. I know change gon' come. Oh yes, it will. It's been too. You know, a change certainly did come to Nashville. Tell me, what was it like performing in Nashville now? compared to when you first left in 1961? Well, it's quite a difference uh, as opposed to uh, uh, playing on Charlotte Street and and Jefferson Street to Broadway. It's quite a difference. uh, I mean, just hordes of people, uh, all kinds of people, not just in my my day, I performed to all blacks audience. Mm Mm-hmm. And now it's mainly all white. But uh, I've taken them, both of them in, and I enjoyed playing for both audiences. I wish there had been uh, a mixture of people back in the day, but it just wasn't that way. It was pretty tough. Uh, you had to stay in your in your area. Because I got jobs sometimes downtown, like in Prentice Alley, I got a job playing in in a club down there, and uh, I remember so well. I 
I just was going after the break. I was on the break. I was going to walk across the floor and get a soda. And they stopped me and told me I couldn't do that. They would bring it back to the dressing room. Mm. <laughs> but uh, that's just how different it is, you know. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour about our town, 10 years after being dubbed the It City. Tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. Now, I'd like to introduce my next guest. Tom Morales is also a native Nashvillian and a restaurateur who whose company renovated the Loveless Cafe, Acme Feed and Seed, as well as the now-defunct Woolworth on 5th. We talked with him on our recent episode about the lunch counter sit-ins. And, Tom, I want to thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. So you've put in a lot of work in revitalizing and renovating downtown. What was special to you about the downtown you remembered growing up? Uh, first off, i got to say Charles is being very humble and— uh, hmm. Uh, I want to add one thing before I answer that. But Chet Atkins used to, I worked for him for a period of time, and he said one day to me, he says, Roy Clark and I, we used to sneak over there and check out those cats. And then he'd hesitate for emphasis and say, because those cats couldn't come over and listen to us. Mm-hmm. And that, that was always powerful. And then they built I-40 right through what was the first mecca of music in Nashville. Um, But growing up in Nashville, I grew up with 10 kids, nine brothers and sisters, and it was a two-car parade from Madison down to, you know, downtown. That was before big box stores happened, and uh, you were, uh, you know, you would go to the hardware store and get your shovels or whatever you needed, and you go across the street and get your dog food. They had a free dog dip at Acme, and um, it was, uh, it, my mother was a taskmaster, she's a drill sergeant, and she'd say, if you don't behave, you know, and so we were, she'd line us up if we behaved, and we'd go up to Candyland and get some candy, and if we were really good, we'd go to the Woolworth and get a, a, a chocolate milkshake, and uh, hmm. the early 60s, when I was growing up here, it was, uh, it was, uh, Nashville was a, just a, a cool town, uh, and it, it, the music was everywhere. It was a creative town. And, uh, you know, so, so for me as a kid, I was like wide eyed all the time and, and, uh, spent most of my adult life trying to save buildings. And now I feel like I'm trying to save the city of Nashville. Tell me what did those cultural gatherings back in the sixties, what did they mean to the city back then? Uh, they meant everything. It, it really, I think the, the whole, uh, culture of hospitality and community, uh, circled around events, uh, you know, and each each little segment of Nashville had their own community, uh, whether it was the Jefferson Street Charlotte Corridor or Lower Broadway was a seedy place. I mean, you could, my dad for entertainment would put us in the station wagon and drive us by the Ryman Auditorium, which would have everybody from Appalachia circled around it like two or three times waiting to get into the Opry. At that point, the Opry was a discovery platform. Patsy Cline came to town to become a star. She wasn't a star, so she knew if she could get on a stage, whether it was a honky-tonk or the, uh, the Ryman Auditorium, she could become a star. And I think that's really where, where Nashville's changed. I mean, uh, it's that that dream of, we call it, a lot of our 
the people that work with us are have a day job and a dream. They're here to make music, to be creative, uh, and their their day job may be serving or or bartending or whatever they're doing to to pay the rent and uh, you know uh, eat. And mm. but they're still pursuing their dream. And but the the stage is there's more creative people here than there ever has been. But there's not as many discovery platforms as there used to be. You said you were just trying to save the. She was trying to save Nashville and not just the buildings. Well, talk more about that. Well, I think the story that that we just heard, which was by Kim, was excellent. I mean, I think it was a moment in time where we fell in love with ourselves. We became uh, enamored with the with us. When it's always true, when somebody outside your own community compliments you. It's, it means more, even though your best friend may have said the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think when the New York Times anointed us the it city, uh, I think it went to our heads. I think the ego of the city changed. Uh, bigger is better. Uh, the little guy on Main Street was forgotten. Rents skyrocketed. You know, uh, land prices skyrocketed. And the little guy who who is an incubator of of who we are as Nashvillians, the, the, the ones who give us our personality, uh, kind of got left in the, in the rear view mirror. Does, so does the term it city diminish what makes Nashville special to you? I think in, in hindsight, it does at the time I was enamored with it just like everybody else. But, uh, when, when you give, uh, opportunity to the well-connected and the people who the fat cats came to town for, you know, uh, uh, get all the attention and, and the, the locals who, who, who were the reason they came are ignored, then, then, yeah, I think, uh, it's a sad story really. Is that, is that what you saw as the revitalization efforts took, took off in the nineties? Yeah, I think it was all built around ego. I mean, when we started dancing in the district in the early nineties, there was nothing but porn shops and pawn shops. And our whole goal was to bring locals back downtown. Now, guess what our goal is? Get locals back downtown. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a different a different time and a different era, and it's going to take a different method. But uh, we brought people back down for ten years. We did dance in the district when we, when there was one bar on Lower Broad that anybody would venture into. You had merchants, which was Ed Stolman. You had groom guitars and. I bought a building on 408 Broad, and, and that was it. And uh, we brought free live music back downtown, and it started that thing, the whole thing in motion. And, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed sometimes that, wow, we started this, hmm. you know, and, and uh, we quit after 10 years. When we quit, there were 40 bars on Lower Broad. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, I think I think our leadership needs to – Take a deep breath. Put the Chet, you say, put your ego aside and make the music. And uh, I think that's really right now. I think we need to go back to our roots and and give the discovery platforms back to the kids that come here to make music. Wig, let me ask you. You know, when you think of this term "it city" and what it means to you, and you've seen the city change, how do you reflect on all these years and all this change? Well, to me. The it city. When I first heard that, it, I I, I kind of understood where they were coming from, but it didn't seem like the it didn't seem like the it city to me, because uh, 
mean, you spent time in New York. You also spent a lot of, a lot of long time in Europe as well. Yes, yes, I did. And uh, well, New York was always the it city, but, <laughs> you know, and still is. But, but Nashville, to me, I, I, I think Nashville was kind of on the right track for, for uh, they brought entertainment in. They brought everything. I mean, Broadway is like a circus now. And that kind of changed my, my attitude about the It City. Hmm. I can hardly stand it. I mean, just to walk out of the club on the break, and uh, it's just loud and crazy, you know. So, you know, there's a lot of longtime residents who get upset or jaded when they talk about this growth. What are those conversations like that you're having <laughs> with some of your friends and peers? What do you say to them when the topic comes up? Wig. Well, when the topic comes up, I, I just kind of uh, <laughs> agree on on both ends because <laughs> I'm not into politics and and uh, I just I'm just here doing my thing mm-hmm. and uh, hope that the city can keep thriving and 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 uh, making some changes, which they are. But I don't know if it's in the in the right thing for everybody. The changes they're making, I don't think it's it's, it's going to help everybody, you know. It's, but it's pretty much like that in every city, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, what can I see? We yeah. have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll invite a few newer arrivals to our city and find out what living in the It City means to them. What does living in the It City mean to you? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. We're talking this hour about our city, 10 years after the iconic and divisive moniker, It's City. Some combination of that infamous New York Times story, a TV show, a hit TV show, sports, bachelorettes, and destination dining have made our city the place to be for the past decade. A year ago today, in our first ever episode as a show, we convened a panel of old and new Nashville to begin our journey as a daily show into the ever-changing identity of this town. So it's only fitting that today, we continue that discussion. Before the break, we spoke with two native Nashvilleans who remember that our, what our town was like before the increased popularity. Now let's talk to two newer residents about what living in the It City means to them. Judith Clairjeune is the policy director for Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition, or TURC, and Brendan McClenahan is the is an, an aspiring musician who moved to Music City last summer. Judith, Brendan, thanks for being here. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Excited to be here. Really a pleasure to have you both. So, Brendan, you moved here less than a year ago. What did yeah, you know? Right. What did you know about Nashville before you got here? I mean, I knew Nashville mostly by the reputation that it's kind of gained for better or for worse from things like that it's city 
article. You know, I knew that it was a place that lots of people around my age were moving to, whether it be, you know, entertainment related or otherwise, you know, people from all over the Midwest, from the coast, from the South. I came from New Orleans where I was in for college. So plenty of people from that area were coming here. Uh, I knew it as the reputation as, you know, big music city, of course, but also just a place lots of people were coming to for their own reasons, businesses, things like that. Be honest, when you were younger, you were watching a television show and you said, I'm going to move there one day. It was on it was on the short list for sure. <laughs> OK, OK. So tell me, why did you decide to come here instead of New York or Los Angeles if you're an aspiring musician? I mean, a number number of reasons. Um, Nashville is, while growing exponentially, as we've discussed in the whole show, it's not quite the jungle that L.A. or New York are, at least not yet. And I hope it doesn't ever get that way. Um, just from the times I've visited, it seems like even though there's a lot happening at the same time, it's more of a laid back vibe, you know, similar to New Orleans in a lot of ways. Um, it seemed like a place that, you know, doesn't have nearly as much of a yeah high intensity culture about it the way that certainly I would say Los Angeles does. Um, those are all kind of reasons about the feel of the city. It's a lot smaller too. I feel I feel like it would be easier to kind of navigate as you know a person sort of living on my own for the first time, living mostly independently of my parents for the first time, than it would be in a place like New York, which is just crazy. Are you happy with your decision? I am, yes. Of you know those big three um, sort of entertainment capitals in North America. I'm definitely glad that's the one I picked. Mm -hmm. Now, now, Judith, I understand your family is originally from Haiti and you all moved here to Nashville in 2008. What was your impression? Yes, that's right. What was, tell me, what was your impression of Nashville back then? Yeah. So I would say, you know, it's definitely, I'm a newcomer compared to people who have been here since the fifties, but even looking back to 2008 versus today, the city has dramatically changed, um, you know, from everything to housing, to traffic, um, to the number of businesses who are here. Um, so it's it's really a different city um, from even, even a couple years ago. You left for college but decided to come back. Why did you make that decision to come back to Nashville? Yeah. So for me, you know, I really came back to Nashville and also um, am doing the work that I'm doing with the Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition because I saw that um, even though so many of my community have been here um, for quite a while, you know, Haitians and other immigrants have been here for decades, um, so many people were still being excluded um, and silenced in the conversation about where the where the city is going. Um, and so it's really it was really important for me to come back and make sure that I can work in some kind of way to make sure that our communities are visible, right? That as we get to um, have this conversation about whose values are prioritized or which communities are not left behind, I think it's important that immigrants are not left behind, right? That we we are also included in the vision and the future of Nashville. So you come back to Nashville after college and it's this it city. So tell me, what does the term it city mean to you? Yeah, so I, I think that term brings in um, a very sort of conflicting vision for the future of Nashville, right? I think of a lot of the growth that we've seen in the past um, decade or so 
but also we've seen the ways that so many marginalized communities, Black folks, immigrants, and others um, have been excluded in a lot of that growth. And so for me, it's a question of, um, you know, what is Nashville going to continue to choose? At this point, I think we've we've already made our choice regarding growth and um, the corporations that we're prioritizing. But right now, I think the challenge is how do we make sure that we do not continue leaving people behind? Well, what, what will it take for immigrants and refugees to feel more a part of their city as if the benefits of living in the, its city are available to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think part of part of what we work on is to make sure that, you know, as we're seeing all of this growth in Nashville, um, that the infrastructure of the city is keeping pace with the growth that we're seeing. So, you know, on one hand, how do we make sure that folks who have been here for a very long time um, aren't being pushed out, but also um, immigrants who are coming here who are newcomers how are we make sure that there are resources available to make sure that people can thrive? So whether that's, you know, expanding and investing in um, immigration legal services, which the city has chosen to do um, with some of the American Rescue Plan funding, um, or making sure that there is, you know, accessible English um, language services available for folks, mm-hmm. um, or affordable housing. I think there's there's a lot of different ways that we need to make sure that folks have what they need, um, and that we're creating a city where all communities have um, have the ability to thrive, regardless of how long they've been here. Um, yeah, you know, some people are very protective of the city. And they're upset with all the changes. We've heard the term transplant used often without a smile. Um, Brendan, do you think transplants get a bad rap? I think from some people, transplants can get a bad rap. Um, You know, I was on, this is not my second time being labeled that after spending four years in New Orleans. I think people, you know, much like a lot of the people we've talked to earlier in this program have been here for a long time. And when there's a sudden influx of new arrivals to a place, bringing their own ideas, their own cultures, their own histories, it can be jarring for everybody. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think, you know, influxes of new ideas are part of what propels communities forward. It's just that doesn't mean it isn't a big change for people. And I think that, I don't know if frustration is the right word, but that shock Mm. and be manifested, I think, sometimes in maybe ways that are unintentionally negative, like just labeling things, oh, they're just transplants, they don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's di- like what, you know, I guess us, the transplants, what we're doing might be new and different, but I don't think it's uniformly a bad thing. It's just different and new, and it'll take some time to get used to. And 20 years from now, it'll be part of the norm of Nashville and people coming then will be the transplants, you know, and they'll have Mm -hmm. their own new ideas and they'll just continue. From transplant to transplant. I understand what you're saying. I moved here a year and a half ago, but my experience is my experience has been different. Um, One, I think a little bit because of age. This is the first time since college I've moved to an area or a new city where, where I didn't know anyone, you know? So it's been a long time for that. I'm a little bit more mature and able to navigate the city in that form, but also the job that I have sitting in this host chair. I am a transplant that people were excited to meet and introduce and open their arms to and welcome 
to the city. Do you think that sometimes for people who are just out here with their guitar or a dream or a business plan and a dream, there's a huge literary community here who have their draft and a dream. Do you think the city is warm and open to embracing those folks who are moving here? I think so. I think it's just about, you know, finding those pocket communities that have a shared value, a shared dream, a shared interest, and kind of taking that and using that as your foundation and running with it. Because yeah, there will always be plenty of people who are about as new as you are with how big Nashville is now and how fast it's growing. So I think it's important for people who are new here to to find these little pocket communities, maybe outside of your job, outside of your apartment building or whatever, and trying to figure out, you know, where do you fit in? Because there are people there who will, I think, for the most part, be accepting, even if they've been here a long time and you're, you know, pretty new or brand new even. My grandmother always said, you want to meet people in your neighborhood, sit on the stoop. If you're just tuning in, <laughs> this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake Alona. We're talking this hour about the impact of Nashville being the it city. Tweet us your thoughts at This Is Nashville. Blues singer Charles Wig Walker and restaurateur Tom Morales are still with us. You both were born and raised here, and you've seen a mountain of the changes over the course of your lives. I wonder if you have any advice for a brand new person in Nashville like Brendan. Wig? I don't know if I have any advice, but I, I think I feel like this the city is here and I welcome all people. As long as they can as long as they can get themselves together here, I welcome them. Mm-hmm. Tom, you know, what does the city need to do to ensure that old and Nash new Na, old and new Nashville, pardon me can grow and exist together and thrive at that. Well, I think you have to embrace your roots. And I, I believe, you know, the welcome table. I mean, when we did the Woolworth, that was that was the theme. I mean, it was a welcome table. I, I think this town is unique in that uh, talent speaks to talent. Uh, if you if you're if you're in LA, you may be in a pocket of talent, and there's 20 pockets of talent here. When you you can if you've got talent and you're willing to work, you will find the connection. And, and there's still enough of us out there that are putting on the the, the people on the stage that, that 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 are creative and that are serious about their their uh, their craft. And and so uh, I think he's your songwriter said it perfect he you know uh find people that that have the uh, same uh, goals as you and 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 spend as much time with them as you can and and you'll make your way you know we you said something interesting when we talked in the previous segment you talked about how the segregation of the era when you were growing up and in the music scene really changed things mm -hmm. you would um, on jefferson street and chet atkins and those guys had to sneak to come to see you yeah. but then you know, you weren't allowed to perform downtown. Now when you do perform downtown, it's by choice, in a sense, a segregated crowd. You know? <laughs> Folks aren't really choosing to in, in droves to really go down there and see. What does the city have to do to really shed itself of some of its past, shed some of the past skin fully, so it can be this robust it city for everybody? Uh, I think the city itself... Uh it's open to all people. I think 
when people come down to Broadway, it's expensive. Mm. And so that, that creates a problem for a lot of people. And But I don't think uh, there's any uh, so much uh, segregation or integration. Or I think people can come to anywhere they want to go to now and do whatever they want to do as long as they respect their, their, their environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Now, Judith, tell us what steps would you like to see the city take to make this an it city for everyone? Yeah, um, you know, I would absolutely say that we have to start choosing um, choosing regular folks. I think so many of our other um, guests here have said that today, that we have to ch- start choosing um, Nashvilleians, um, the, the little guy, and not just big corporations. And I think over the past couple of years, we've seen, um, you know, deal after deal made with big companies who are coming to Nashville and others at the, at the expense of folks who have lived here or just regular families. And so I would say that's a first step. Um, and also for the city to continue choosing to invest in uh, making sure we have the infrastructure to support Nashvilleians, to support families, um, communities of color who have been who have called this this city home and are currently being pushed out and can't afford it anymore. Um, yeah, so I would say that that's a first step. And I'd also add that it you know it's all of our responsibility to make sure that we um, we influence and shape um, the vision for the future of Nashville. And so I think it's you know we may not like politics, <laughs> hmm. um, but we have a responsibility to make sure we know what's happening. Um, and that we make our voices heard. Speaking on that responsibility as someone who lives here to make sure that you know what's happening, Brendan, how are you planning to take part in the fabric of Nashville? Something I think that is important when you move anywhere, and it's no different here in Nashville, is taking part in celebrations of the city or places history like yeah like broadway is nice and shiny and that's all great but you know i've spent my downtime i've been to you know museums and things like that um trying to get a sense of what nashville was like before you know the it article and what it was like for everyone started coming here and things that matter to people beyond just you know look there's downtown or you know or there's midtown things like that because that's just a very small part of what Nashville is. And there is way more people here, you know, living their lives than, you know, just the just the attractive things that bring people here in the first place. Tom, tell us, what are some of the ways that people who are new to town, how can they find and create community for themselves here? Uh, Brandon just said it. I think getting involved in uh and whatever they're here for and about, uh, I think the the creative side, this town. I mean, it's what thirteen colleges and universities within the city limits. It's a, it's actually a very, uh, I'll say, blue community in terms of uh, its belief system, its education, and 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 
where I saw the change happen is COVID. I mean, mm. uh, there was no leadership on, 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 on lower Broadway anyway. And, and there was an influx of, uh, people really out that are five counties around Nashville that came down because you could, you know, be, uh, disrespectful and, 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 Anyway, I, I don't want to go that way, but for Br- Brendan, I'd say, you know, just what he's doing. I, I think this town is very easy to get to know your neighbor, but you sometimes have to put the effort. Judith, tell us what specific policies or programs would you like to see from the city to make Nashville the it city for everyone? Yeah, so two things I'll, I'll bring up is one, continuing uh, to expand immigration legal services. You know, I work specifically with immigrants. And one of the things that we know is that when people have a, the ability um, to adjust their status, you know, whether that's applying for citizenship or a green card, um, that means they have access to other resources. So that's, you know, driver's license or opportunities for a better paying job. And so, yeah, that that's a starting point there. Um, and then, you know, I think affordable housing is, is an issue that impacts everybody um, and that we really have to, to start address, addressing in a significant way um, to make sure that folks are not continued, continuing to be pushed out of the city that they call home. Mm-hmm. Now, Wig, before we leave, let the people know what's in store for them should they come down to see you play <laughs> and sing at Acme Feed and Seed. <laughs> Well, first of all, I, I was, I was, when the people come down to the Acme Feed and Seed, they see me, they see a um, realism of a singer that uh, does his thing, blues, soul music, jazz, whatever. I think that the people, if they come down there, they enjoy themselves. That's what's important to me. Mm-hmm. That is Charles Wig Walker. He was joined by Judith Claire June from Truck. She was also, and musicians, pardon me, Brendan McClenahan and Mr. Restaurateur, Mr. Tom Morales. I want to thank you all for being with us today. We want to thank everybody who tuned in this hour. Tomorrow, with a litany of bills at the State House targeting trans people, we're inviting some members of the trans community to talk about what life is like for them right now. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Magnolia McKay. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Mr. Derek Topper. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, and be good to each other.